Hey, everybody. You know, Steve and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and a whole lot longer than that as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, to heal betrayal trauma, and to reclaim your relationship. And we've gone ahead and poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you guys have done on your journey for healing and recovery, we guarantee you have never done anything like this. You know, we've made all the mistakes so you don't have to. Please don't reinvent the wheel. Guys, come on, let's get real. Tomorrow never really comes. Don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the PBSC Podcast, episode number 147. I'm Steve Moore, and Mark Kassman's with me today. Good to be with you guys on this uh, fabulous October day is what it is for us as of as of recording right now. The, uh, the air is crisp. Halloween is in the air, and snow is probably way too close if you live anywhere <laughs> by us. Because where we live, I think, Mark, we were talking about this. We get, what, two weeks of fall? It sure seems like it. About that. It was 95 (laughs) degrees where we are like like five weeks ago. And I think tomorrow the low is 31. Yeah. So yeah. (laughs) Go go figure. (laughs) Extreme weather. Anyway, it's good to be with you guys today. We got a good topic today. A submission from from a listener uh that came in uh that we wanted to address. It's a little bit different of a last several weeks. We've been uh speaking to some different topics that we haven't talked to about in a minute and we had a topic that came in this week that really kind of caught Mark and I's eye. There were a lot of things needing addressing, and our hearts really went out to both the uh, both partners in this marriage that we're going to talk about. And uh, so I'll go ahead and I'll read this real quick, and we will jump into this because there is a, a lot to cover. Uh, here we go. So this is this is from the spouse uh, spouse of an addict, and this is what she writes: I have been married to my husband for ten years. We have two young children, and I have been aware of my husband's addictive sexual behavior. For several years, we have had many D-Days. For those who don't know, D-Days are typically referred to as like a discovery day is what that's referencing. A few breakdowns for both of us, a lot of broken promises, and attempts at counseling with no consistency. The behavior seems to ebb and flow. It is typically pictures, videos, texts, but has gotten physical in the past, meaning his behaviors. She then goes on to say, he is now involved physically with someone. This was discovered by me. His initial reaction was that he was not able to feel, quote, happiness, unquote. Is he's, he's always searching, and this physical relationship is a result of acting out 
via texting that grew to more. His words, he has been unable to end this relationship, yet he states he would like to keep our family intact, that he loves me, but that he is struggling. He has not ended this affair, and I am broken, pretending for my kids that all is well. I have listened to all of your podcasts. I know that this is crazy that I am living this pretend life while he continues with this relationship. It is eating me alive. I understand addicts are powerless over their addictions. He has said many times he is unable to stop and how desperately he wishes to. How can't I, quote, accept, unquote, this continued affair relationship until he gets good help, knowing he is, quote, powerless, unquote, at the same time? If he is truly addicted, then I understand he cannot stop on his own. I just cannot continue to pretend for my kids' sake any longer. Thank you for everything you do. And I'm going to be real candid. It is triggering as hell to read through this. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to cover in this. There were and- so many things that jumped out to us on this thing. Yes. And I think it's really important that right out of the gate that we say that I think the reason that it felt for both Steve and I that somebody had kind of taken a hammer to, you know, put us <laughs> between the eyes, it's like, oh my gosh, how many of the things that this guy is saying or that she's describing about him is very descriptive of where we were in our deep addiction days. Yes. So we can relate to this guy very much. <clears throat> and we can also, of course, relate to her because we have spouses who were with us during those deep addiction days and and Steve and I in our work, we work with a lot, a lot of spouses. So there's so much here that we can relate to. And I think uh, what I want to see out of the gate, Steve, is this, this, this podcast today is not about quote, you know, jumping down somebody's throat or getting on somebody's case or whatever. This is really, uh, this is our plea, our plea with all of you listening. If you find yourselves in something uh, even remotely similar to this, please, please don't stay there. This does not turn out well, not for the not for the spouse and not for the addict. And so, very much today, this is what we're going to say today is because we love and care about all of you, and we have been uh, where much of this uh, is described. And man, oh man, please, please, please hear us today uh, because we're going to beg you to come out of this this place, both the addict space and the spouse space yeah. on this issue. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, I, I appreciate you leading out with that, Mark, because it is, it's, it's, I mean, there's just a lot to cover here. And, you know, we were talking about this before the show and I think probably the best way to take this submission and really work on it is to break it down uh, by by both addict as well as partner, because there are a tremendous amount of thinking errors uh, going on here, a lot of justification, a lot of rationalizing, a lot of absconding of responsibility, a lot of self and mutual victimization. I mean, the list goes on. And so uh, we want to kind of set the record straight on some of these things from our perspective about where where some of these things need to change and try to point out where some of those thinking fallacies happen and and you know we do get it again we're to kind of echo mark this is not a slam on anyone's session and we know all too well that when you're in the thick of a situation like this it's very easy on the outside to just say oh well of course you know these things should change i mean when you've been for example the partner of an addict who is very skilled at whether he's consciously doing it or not gaslighting justifying minimizing rationalizing 
when you're in a relationship with that, uh, with a partner who is like that for an extended amount of time, when you as an addict are in a relationship with yourself in terms of justifying those kinds of behaviors and that, that line of thinking, and you're both in a place where you're pretty myopic, meaning that you're kind of cut off from alternative points of view, it's very easy for this kind of thinking to develop and become really, and to become really entrenched. Um, yeah. And so we do say that with empathy, but we are going to be really direct today. Um, the first thing that that I'm gonna I'm gonna pick out here that stuck out to me out of this list that we made is that uh, you know he's been uh, you know he says uh, and this is all according to the spouse but he's been unable to end this relationship this meaning this physical relationship clearly there's a lot of acting out going on here in this relationship in different forms um, I would love to hear more, although I don't, having been doing, having done this for a long time, as has Mark, it's very difficult being honest to envision a scenario in which one can't end a relationship. Um, It really is that easy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We understand that there are forces at play. Again, we get addicted to connection. We get addicted to distorted forms of connection. You know, an affair... Uh, whether it's emotional affair, a physical affair, or both, there is a real power to those kinds of relationships. And one of the many reasons why they're so intoxicating, whether it is that, or again, whether it's virtual with pornography or whatever, is because those scenarios represent uh, represent just as much of a fantasy as the porn world would. Meaning that it offers all of the connected benefits, quote-unquote, of a relationship without any of the, quote-unquote, baggage. Any affair, I wouldn't say any, but most affairs on the outside look very appealing, far more so than one's relationship of origin if one ever finds themselves going there, because a a plate full of dessert without any of the vegetables always looks appealing on the surface. Yeah, I often say, you know, the affair relationship, you go off for the, you know, the big rendezvous with, with all of the, of course, powerful, you know, powerful feelings and, and aspects of it. And then you get to walk away. You don't have Correct. to do it. You don't have to change dirty diapers or, you know, take out the trash or deal with all of the regular stuff of life. None of that's part of that relationship. So Correct. is it going to be incredibly alluring? It's going to be incredibly intoxicating, of course, because it isn't real. And in, in real life, you know, on the surface is never going to hold a candle to that kind of idealized, sanitized version of living. Nope. But that's just it is, is it's, it's not real, right? No matter however real it may feel. Uh, it's it's not it, it isn't real in totality, and to whatever degree that it is, if it's coming at a cost of what you say you are authentically wanting to pursue, then at, at the very least, then there's a lot of self denial uh, and self you know self deception going on there. Uh, you know this this addict, according to the spouse, again talks about how he wants to stay in this relationship. He he desperately loves his wife but is going out and is actively choosing another relationship with another person. And there are lots of definitions of love that we explore in this program. Um, We talk a lot about, uh, you know, what love looks like with a partner and what it doesn't. And every relationship is different. If we look at this strictly, even stripping away some of the moral side of things in terms of what is right or wrong here, if I am going out and making decisions that present a clear and present physical danger to my primary relationship with another person i i can i can vocalize a lot of different ways that i love my partner of origin that's not love 
I'm sorry. It's it's not. I I don't know what that is. Um, it's it, there's a very twisted set of layers, I think, of things that are going on there. But at the end of the day, what it boils back to is that there's there's this notion that you know all of us addicts do. I think some degree, we 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 struggle with the have your cake and eat it meant to mentality a lot. We call it door number three here on the podcast quite a bit, and that's very much what we're hearing here. Um, saying that you cannot break off a relationship is nonsense. Um, you're speaking to the addict here right now. Frankly, you're ending the relationship with your partner of origin right now, just very slowly. Um, even though there are a lot of powerful feelings and things attached, guys, it really isn't at the, on the one hand, it's complicated, but on the other hand, it's very simple. You, you have to come to the understanding and a point of acceptance of recognizing whether you find yourself in an affair uh, scenario like this, or whether it's a it's a habit with pornography or some other up, unacceptable affront to the relationship, you can have, as my wife had to point out to me in black and white, very obvious terms, you can have the fantasy world or you can have reality, but you cannot have both. And you have to choose. You have to choose. You're talking to two, we speak as two guys who have pursued. We are like, Mark and I are retired sexual crusaders. We have both spent a lifetime on quests for the mythical holy grail of being able to pursue sexual excitement outside of a relationship in whatever form that is and still retain true, honest, authentic connection with an exclusive partner. And speaking from how many years, Mark? 60 years of experience of addiction between the two of us. It is not possible. And you are duping yourself and you are duping your spouse by, by absconding to or agreeing to anything less. And so that's the first step is figuring out which of these roads am I going to pursue? Because if you're not already at the fork in the road, which this couple most definitely is, it's coming and you have to decide. The other thing, the other thing that uh, really jumped out at me in order to, I, I like to call it taint. Let's taint the fantasy, shall we? Yep. Let's get real. And one of the things she says is that the reason her husband said he has such a hard time breaking out of this relationship and the reason he's pursued all these sexual outlets, he says, I'm not able to feel happiness. Mm. And I am always mm. searching. That is such a gigantic tell right there. Yeah. What it does, if you're willing to look at it, is it starts to get to what we call the underlying core forces, the underlying core issues, the core motivations about why we go to these outlets in the first place. If this were about, you know, this affair being the ideal relationship, right? So wonderful and magnificent and connecting and whole in so many ways. Okay. That would be a different issue that we're talking about, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying, I do all these things because I'm not able to feel happiness. I'm always searching, always looking, always longing and yearning. Well, these are core issues that I'm, I'm inviting this guy and, and, and anybody listening. Are you willing to start to get under the surface behavior? You can say, uh, I'm, you know what? I'm just powerless over this. I'm powerless over it because I don't feel happiness and I'm always searching. So I have no choice to be, but to go get it here. Mm-hmm. Really? Really? How about starting to explore why you're not able to feel happiness? Yeah. Where does that come from? What is that about? How long have you felt that? Is this something you've struggled with your whole life? 
And do you really, really believe in your heart of hearts that this yearning and searching for happiness is going to be fulfilled by this affair or by the pornography or by the, the strip clubs or whatever else is going on? Do you really, really believe in your higher true self that my search for happiness is going to be fulfilled in this place? Yeah. So that tells you that the whole thing he's involved with when he says it's a relationship he cannot break, it, the whole thing is, is suspect. Yes. In so many ways, he's on the, he's on the wrong track. You're yes. searching for the answer in the wrong place. And what you're going to find is what I did. And Steve did is that this way of searching to find happiness that you, that you're always yearning for this way of searching is insatiable. It will never be filled. It will never arrive. It will never deliver what you are, are yearning and wanting. You'll always yeah. be left wanting. Yep. No, it's absolutely true. And, 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 you know, probably the most troubling piece of this, because I know we've got the other side of this to get to, and these podcasts are short, but the other side of this that I, or the piece of this that I want to address the most before we kind of switch over to the, to the spouse, because there's a lot we could say on the addict side of this. And this is the part that I find the most distressing. Again, this is just the partner's account. So we don't know what the addict side of this is, but there's this perpetual notion throughout this whole, when you look at the verbiage of how this is written and according to the spouse, what, what, what this addict is saying, there's this, there's this distorted, and Mark was mentioning this before the program, this concept of being powerless around your addiction, which is a 12-step founded base concept, has being, is frankly being bastardized into, into six ways to Sunday here. Being powerless over one's addiction, which is true, we would never expect anyone to overcome that alone cannot be used as a shield to accountability for the things that are not being done. Okay, you're a powerless to your addiction. We can accept that. I can accept that. That Mark can accept that. Those are understandable concepts. But what are you doing? What steps are you taking? Because according to the spouse, all that all that we're hearing here is that he's waiting to find good help, quote unquote, whatever that means. He's, you know, he's just not able to to make a break from it because he's on this search for happiness. Well, what other areas are you looking for happiness in, right? Addressing what Mark was talking about a minute ago. What steps are you actually taking? According to what the spouse said here, she discovered the affair. To the addict, I would lovingly say, where's the transparency? Where's the proactivity? What are you doing other than speaking a lot of eloquent words to actually make change? We talked about this very concept. I'm going to say something word for word that we said on the Dare to Connect program to our addicts this this morning, right? There's it's we we can all vocalize the desire and the and the want to change, but woulda coulda shoulda. What things are you actually doing? You may be addicted to acting out. You are not addicted to not doing hard things. You are not addicted to getting online and looking up a recovering program like Dare to Connect and signing up for a two-week free trial, <laughs> by the way. You are not addicted to getting finding a therapist and consistently attending. You are not addicted to not being open with, with, with other people and with your wife. These are things that you can and need to be practicing if you are, in fact, serious. Um. If you, well, if you... in, in, in this concept of powerlessness, you know, I could really relate to this guy because I used the, I used the term powerlessness for many, many years to justify my behaviors. 
Yeah. I'll never overcome this. I'll never beat this. <clears throat> I'm going to take this to the grave. This is just something I'll be stuck with the rest of my life. And there was a defeatism. There was a victim, a victimhood uh, to, to my attitude, as I would say those words. I did not understand what admitting powerlessness means. I didn't know. If we admit that we are, if we truly admit that we are powerless, right, in the 12-step sense, what that means is that I'm coming to the place where I am humbled to the dust and I am willing to, I am willing to acknowledge that I cannot do this my way. Right. I cannot do this by myself. I am powerless. But when I, when I see the description of this, of this guy, he's saying he's powerless. But if he really believed that, then he would, be, he would be ready and willing to put, quote, his way off to the side and embrace a better way, a higher way. But he keeps doing it his way. Yeah. Every time he runs off to this woman to, to have another encounter, that is his way. Yes. If he really felt he was powerless, he wouldn't keep doing it his way. He would be looking for another. Exactly. And actively pursuing it. Not just saying I'm looking for another, but actively pursuing it. Um, we better shift over just for sake of time here uh, to yeah. our to our addict partner here. Because there are things that need to be addressed on the other side too. First of all, I I would just say, speaking for both Mark and I, how much we empathize and connect with the pain and the difficult situation that this spouse finds themselves in. Uh, we know that the pressure to keep a family together, to keep a relationship together, you have two young kids. Those are all great. And, and, and we don't under, don't even pretend to understand the uniqueness of that situation. Nevertheless, uh, despite all of that, there, there are a couple of things that I think need to change for sure. The Mark and I think need to change the first and foremost that I'm going to throw out there. And this isn't even in the notes is that you have to decide for you, what you need in this relationship to find happiness authentically. What level of pursuit do you need to see from your partner? What level of chasteness do you need to see from your partner? What level of fidelity? What level of commitment? There's not really a right or wrong answer to that, to be honest with you. We, again, we're not the morality police and we're not here to tell anybody what they should expect in their relationship. But you do need to decide what the what that what that line is for you and those lines in the sand need to be figured out and they need to be drawn for your spouse. Because unfortunately I fear based on just what we've been reading in here, what we fear is that from a loving place of trying to keep this stuff together, there may be more enablement going on here on your part than you realize. Mm. Um, this bad behavior, if experience is showing anything based on what you've said in the history here is that this, this poor behavior on your spouse on, on the addict's part is not going to stop unless you unless you hold some boundaries here um whatever degree his addict is in control right now it is not at a point of of submission where it's willing to stop because of the pain that it's causing you you're going to have to decide where is my line for tolerance versus acceptance on these different issues um you, you said something really interesting and we, we quoted it here let's see here how do i how can i quote unquote accept this continued affair relationship until he gets good help knowing he is powerless at the same time, being candid with you, just this is Steve gospel. According to Steve, I wouldn't, I wouldn't accept it. I would accept the fact that he's making those choices, but in terms of accepting, meaning I just stick around without boundaries, I absolutely would not continue in that course. No way. 
Um, I, I, you need to figure out for you, what is, what is the line for you and where, where do we need to take additional space, whether that's separating or requiring that he find a therapist or you guys getting into counseling or please, for the love of all that is holy, we would love to have you guys in a program like dare to connect. Can I just tell you how much passion we're feeling for that right now? Mm. Guys, if you haven't, if you find yourself struggling remotely with this kind of stuff, it's $195 a month for, for both of you. We, we, we cover today the addiction cycle and something that Mark came up with in his first book called The Addiction Funnel. We hit hard on topics of denial and rationalizing and justification and frankly gave a really good, had an hour-long session that would have been perfect for this addict to be listening to this morning. Uh, covered about a year's worth of recovery content for, for me that it took me to learn and a couple years, according to Mark, that it took for him to learn in the space of an hour. Um, we have spent mountains on therapy. We've spent even more money on being the best that we are in the business. Please do not reinvent the wheel and please quit trying to navigate this for yourself. Come on over, give it a shot. You can find out more information at daretoconnectnow.com. I have a difficult time fathoming why if anyone is struggling uh, half as much as this person is, why you would not give that a shot. <laughs> please come and join <laughs> us. We'd love to see you over there. Um, but anyway, that's the first thought is that, you know, we've got, you've got to figure out for you, what are going to be some of those lines? Well, and the other part here that I see, and this is something that really breaks my heart as we work with, especially when we work with women, I'm seeing, I'm seeing this, uh, this dear lady is she's giving away pieces of her authenticity totally in order to quote, hold this together. Yep. And I, man, I have some really passionate, strong feelings about when we have to, you know, give pieces of ourselves away in order to, um, you know, go along to get along or allow bad behaviors to continue. You know, this, this gal, she's, she's a mom. And I know from the, from what little we know, as she expresses it, she knows this isn't good for her kids. You know, she talks about how, you know, it's, it's really difficult to keep pretending. She says, I'm broken pretending for my kids that all is well. So she as a mother knows this isn't healthy for my children. That's the that's my authenticity as a mom. And yet she's sacrificing getting giving that away because of her spouse's bad behavior. Yes. One of the things I can tell you as a kid who grew up in a home like this is that those children are they are not naive. Their kids are actually more intuitive and more seeing than we can possibly imagine. And kids may not know exactly what's going on, but they can feel that something isn't right. Our mom's not happy. Our dad is absent and detached. And if those kids don't know exactly what, why that is, guess who they're going to blame automatically? They're going to blame themselves. Right. Right. Because the adults in our lives when we were kids, those adults are like demigods. And if something's going wrong, it can't be their fault. They're too, they're too awesome and big and amazing. It must be me as a kid. And that's where a lot of the shame came from that fueled my addiction was that I took upon my shoulders all the all the, the dysfunctional stuff that was happening to the adults around me. I was convinced it was my fault. Agreed. In an age-appropriate way, those kids need to know that, th- that this is not having to do with them, that this is stuff that mom's experiencing from other places. How much about that you talk about is a discussion for another time, but making it clear that that, you know, mom is having a hard time and it's because of X, Y, or Z is important mm-hmm. so that they aren't assigning those things to themselves. Yeah. Um, and again, age appropriateness there is critical and it's not about throwing a spouse under the bus, but it also is about you not carrying water 
or protecting him from consequences, right? And the same holds true if you're going out in the world and spending time with family or friends. If you are having to sacrifice and put on a face and do all of those things, I mean, I'll just tell you from my perspective, I and and I say this coming from a lot of different relationships, whether it's platonic, whether it's romantic, whether it's whatever, going back to what Mark said, if it requires you to be something you are not to stay in it, the price is too high. It just is. And I've I have tried that with relationships ranging from family to people I've dated and romantically been involved with to in-laws and to everyone in between. And it is not worth it. It's just not. Life is too short to spend it living it for somebody else. Yeah. Um, you have to be able to find a space where you can be true to yourself. Now, does that mean that you will get up and walk today? No, not necessarily. But it does mean that you transparently hold your spouse accountable and hold up a mirror to him, as we say in counseling a lot, and make sure that you are reflecting back to him 100% what his actions or inactions are, the impact that they're having on you, on the relationship, and what the consequences are going to be if that continues. You, 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 we, to whatever degree any spouse is listening is doing this, you have to stop being your partner's sin eater. You can't keep continuing to absorb their bad behavior context and the fact that there is a story behind his struggle does not minimize accountability i think that's one of the ways spouses oftentimes get hooked in this your husband probably has a lot of reasons that are very valid why he struggles with addiction i did too but my dad dying in a plane crash and two bouts with cancer and a whole host of other things at the end of the day is never going to excuse me treating my wife the way that i treated her and going behind her back and violating the fidelity of our marriage doesn't matter Context is not an excuse and does not diminish accountability. And so it's important that, that you know, both parties are coming to, I mean, that's going to be really the starting point is seeing the situation, I think, for what it really is. And both people becoming really more deeply aware of, you know, how is this really impacting us, our relationship, us individually, and what do we want to do because this isn't sustainable? Yeah. Oh, tons more to say about that. (laughs) Yeah. So as we wrap up again, our hearts go out to this couple. It goes out to all of you who are struggling, but, you know, please, please try to step out of the defensiveness or, you know, they're getting on my case or pointing out all the things I'm doing wrong. Really, this is, this is a, this is a plea of love and just saying all to you, to all of you, you don't need to stay where you are. You don't. Right. Yeah. We, we, we invite you to, to look at a better way. And so with that, we'll, uh, we'll close up and uh, appreciate all you being here today. And we'll see you next time on PBSE. Everything expressed on the PBSE podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.